Jesus is going to come. And when Jesus comes, he is going to come as a judge of the living and the dead. We are moving on now uh, to the parables and uh, this will be the last parable that I would like to preach from because uh, uh, the reason is there are lots and lots of parables. I can go on and on and on but I thought that I have preached enough uh, and now it's time for us to move on. Here is a parable that is very similar to the one that you had um, last week. The last week we had a parable of the talents. Talents is a unit of money. And uh, three people were given talents, three ta five talents, three talents and one talent according to their ability. And they could not, two of them did something with it. They rather multiplied it, doubled it I should say and one did not. And there was a judgment on these two, the one who did not. Here is a similar parable, but it's a very different parable. And you can either compare both of them and see where are the differences. But they are still very, very different parables. Let me just run through it for a while. Just uh, re-narrate it so that you may get a grasp of it. There are three characters in this. There are three sets of characters in this parable. One is a nobleman who went to a far country to receive kingship and he entrusted his gifts or his money to 10 people, 10 servants and he said be productive, be do some business with it and he told them in Luke's gospel chapter 19 verses 12 to 13, he said a nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. That is to be made king. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. Use this and do something profitable. A business until I come. And we know the story that many of them did not, at least one of them did not do anything. He covered it in a handkerchief and handed over to the master when he came. said, here is your mina, take it away, take it. It is, and then we have two others who are very, very productive people. One took that one mina. One mina is a very small amount. It's a very small amount. Compared to uh, this uh, talents, it is only 100 days wages. So 100 denarii or something like that. So they, one made, went and made 10 minas. The other person made 5 minas out of the one. And then the other one did not do. And we are not told what the other seven did. We are not at all. We are not told. But not only that. When this man went away. There was a delegation that also went after him. And they opposed him. They said we don't want this man to reign over us. He should not be made a king. But this verse 19, chapter 19 verse 14. That his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So here there are two groups of people. One is the servants of this man, noble man, who went to a far country to be made king and his servants 
and whom he entrusted with money to do some business. And the other group is the people, the opposition party, who opposed him. They sent a delegation uh, to that place where he went to oppose him. Now, one of the unique things about this parable is that this is has some historical background. The year Jesus was born, the ruler, the king of Judea was Herod the Great. The Herod the Great. But Herod the Great died the year Jesus was born, after Jesus' birth. And his son, Herod Archelaus, he went to Rome to be made king in BC 4. He traveled to Rome. Rome was the capital of the empire. And there were a lot of lo local rulers like the kings of the various countries. And when the father died, Archelaus, the son, went, traveled all the way to Rome with the copy of the will of the father to be ratified, to be made king. But Archelaus was not a good man. He was a bloodthirsty person. And when he was a small ruler and a governor or something like that, around his, the death of his father, he had slaughtered Jews in the temple ground, in the temple mount courts. And he was a very, very cruel man. So their people said, okay, if he become king, life will be very difficult for us. So they sent a delegation to Rome to be present, to present themselves before the emperor and tell him, we don't want this man to be king over us. But what happened is, Rome heard, the emperor heard both sides. This is what happened in BC 4, when the year Jesus was born. The, this, uh, the Rome heard both sides and people say, Archelaus made a big bribe, gave a big bribe. It seems to be so. Anyway, Rome decided in favor of Archelaus and he was made king. He came back. And the first thing he did was to take revenge on the people who opposed him. He, very, he was very good. He was the chief of the old block that his father, he killed many, many Jews who opposed him, his opposition party. This is a story that everybody knew. But Jesus is not talking about Herod Archelaus. Jesus is talking about himself. Here is, when he told the story, everybody knows very well. Many of them who are older than Jesus by 5 years or 10 years, they may recall this story very clearly, what happened in their history. Jesus was born that year and Jesus was about 20, 30 years or something like that or 32 years when he told the story. But any person who is a 40, 50 or 60 might be probably, might have even made a narrow escape from the revenge of Herod Archelaus. Jesus told the story and it's a fully complete story, says what happens when you oppose a person who is the legitimate king. When he goes, he will come back like Archelaus came back. So Jesus was talking about his own return. There's a reason why he said that. You know, in verse uh, Luke 19:11, the same chapter, verse the 11, 11 verse, Jesus told this story. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable 
this parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. This story was told on Jesus' way to Jerusalem from Galilee. He was going with along with a lot of pilgrims who went to there for celebration of the Passover and Jesus' disciples, his mother and many women were in the company along with a large crowd. They were all walking down. Now, a few miles away, maybe a day's journey away from Jerusalem in Jericho, he saw a blind man, he met Lazarus and people thought, now the kingdom of God is going to appear very immediately. Rome is going to be overthrown. Jesus is going to become king and he will defeat his enemy. There will be freedom, some people thought. But Jesus wanted to correct that notion. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Wait, I'll tell you a parable. Because he was going there, he thought he is going to become king in Jerusalem. He said, no, because the, they thought the kingdom was, of God was to appear immediately. So what he tried to say with this parable is, like the one we had last week, there is going to be a gap of time, a lapse of, or, or a gap of time between what is going to happen in Jerusalem, that he will be killed and he will be crucified and he will rise again and his coming, becoming king. That is why he told this story to them. Something that they could relate very well. It's a very important, one of the, one or two important observations I would like to make here is this. In this parable, everybody, every servant is given equally, treated equally. They all get one meaning. In the other parable, the different story that Jesus told last week we saw it, they were not given equally. One was given five, one was given three, and the other was given one talent. But here, ten servants, not three, ten servants, they were given one mina equally. And the second thing to note, which is very different from the other one from Matthew, is that they were treated proportionally. There's an equality of the gifts, but there's a proportional treatment. The one who made out one mina, but made it ten minas, he was put in charge of ten cities. The one who got one mina, but made five mina out of the one mina, he was given the charge of five cities. So, it is in proportion to what they did. Now, that's the story. The story actually ends there. But under every story that Jesus said, there is depth to that story. We don't see the plain surface of the story. But we like to look at the reality, the point that Jesus was trying to tell them. There are two things here. One or the third, three things here. And the third thing I have already emphasized in the previous sermon. That is, we have to be protective with what God has given to us while we wait for his return. That was the point that we made last Sunday. That is not a time of sitting idle 
not doing anything thinking that the kingdom of god is going to appear immediately it's not immediate but we don't know when but waiting for the kingdom is not a life of idleness it's a life of activity and productivity i summarized i concluded my sermon last sunday with this story of a man who was asked by another critic a person what will you do if you know jesus is coming tomorrow this man said yes even if i know he is coming tomorrow still i will plant an apple tree because even i have only 5 minutes for jesus is coming i would like to use that 5 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever that time for doing something that is good that's the point now the story that thing moves on some other level now the first thing we learn from this is as herod archelaus came back as king receiving the title of kingship actually the kingship was not given he was called tetra and the teacher way as a ruler the point is they know that story and he jesus says just as herod archelaus came back in spite of the political opposition that he had jesus will come back the certainty of his coming that is the main thing the certainty of his coming many times in many sermons this season in the season of preaching from the parables i have emphasized it but i would don't want to repeat what i said in two or three sermons earlier i would simply like to point out two other important things that goes with this doctrine of the second coming of jesus christ and that is he is going to come he came as a savior and the political powers had some some dominance over him they could persecute him they could kill him but in his second coming he is coming as in a dual role of a judge and a king that is the another important aspect of the doctrine of the second coming let's look at a few verses bible verses second timothy chapter 4 verse 1 I charge you Paul says to Timothy I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is he who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom he is the judge going to be the judge of the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom two notions two important doctrines that is jesus is going to come and when jesus come he is going to come as a judge of the living and the dead that's a very powerful statement the dead are not going to escape his judgment so when sometimes we think that when see in in our normal uh courts all over the world if you can prove that somebody is dead or missing for 15 years i think that's the way it is then there will be no charge against that person 
now if 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 you murdered somebody and if you had run away, absconded and after 15 years there is the police could not trace you or arrest you or bring you for a court then you are considered as not guilty in the sense you can they cannot punish you if a person died after the crime whom can the uh, human court punish no you can't isn't it that's a point that is the normal logic but Christ's judgment is different even if I kill if I, if I the grave if whatever sin whether small or big there is no difference like that he will bring not only the living but he will also bring the dead they will rise up some to eternal life and some to eternal damnation that's a reality nobody can escape it now the people the opposition party who opposed Archelaus thought that they will win the case no they did not win the day they lost it now this is a very disastrous thing that whether we die before Jesus comes or we live while Jesus comes thing is clear Jesus is the judge and he is going to judge the living and the dead so the what the minas what minas we have let's be careful the resources that we have the bringing up the education the job opportunities the exposure the talents in the sense of the gifting in your life spiritual art whatever you can do creative gifts whatever it is we are we are not going to escape the judgment I'm coming to that in a moment the second aspect of it is he is going to be king just like he has gone to receive a kingdom from the father and he is going to come when father says I had enough of this world now go and rule it you are the king that is why Christians have hope many many people you know the water turnout goes down why now we have a three options in election isn't it since the last election you can vote for any of the candidates and the second option is you can say none of the candidates right the recent assembly election in Kerala in some constituencies that category won more than the ones who failed I have statistics for that because people were disenchanted with the, with the whole system so they went to the poll, they went to the polling booth to poll, say we don't trust any of these guys. Because we are so disappointed, isn't it? But here is a day going to come when God will wipe out all the kingdoms and his son will come to reign as king and the Bible says we will reign with him. Praise God. Yes. That's why I'm not running election now. Because it's a lot of money. And if you lose, you're a loser. Eh? And all sorts of problems. Why well, I will rather wait for the Lord's coming to reign with him. And I think I'm pretty sure he's going to come. And I know he's going to judge and he's going to be. Now Nathaniel was a man who was with any, any guiltless man. 
When he met Jesus, you know what did he say? John's Gospel, chapter 149. He says, Nathaniel answered Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel could see that in Jesus because he was a very guiltless man. Now let me take you to, there are a number of verses I can read, but I'm not here to read all the verses in the Bible about it. But one more verse, Revelation 17 verse 14. <clears throat> it talks about a war. They will make a war on the Lamb and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those with him are called the chosen and the faithful. Have you ever seen or read Chronicles of Narnia? Or seen some, at least some films on it? Finally, the king, the lion, Aslan, will reign. Amazing, isn't it? Man, that's our hope. That's our hope. He will come to judge the living and the dead. And he will come, not only for that, but he will come as king. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. Here is a day, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, whether you are waiting for his return or not, whether you have opposed him or not, there comes a day, whatever knees there is in the world, will every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. This is very unpopular preaching. People don't like to preach on this. Because our modern culture, we don't want unpleasant things. We don't want anyone to judge us. We don't want people to correct us. We don't want authorities over us. That is the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. That is why we hear less and less preaching on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yes, because along with it goes two realities. He is going to come, he will judge and he will rule. But that is not full gospel. Let me just focus on this aspect again. The judgment aspect. Now, here is less teaching on all these subjects these days. You won't hear Popular preachers dealing with the second coming of Jesus Christ, judgment, rewards, and all that. The parable has two things now. What are they? One point is he is going to reward when he comes. Right? Then other thing is he is going to punish when he comes. Those who oppose him are going to be cut into pieces and thrown into the fire. That's what the Bible says. Whether you want to believe it literally or not, I, I think that's up to you. I don't care about that. But one thing I know, he is not going to come to invite you over a cup of coffee or something like that. Or go to take us for a picnic. 
Now he is coming with full authority as judge and the king. Now you go and see, look in your Bible, how many times this expression, judgment seat of Christ is, is, is there in the Bible. That is for you to find out. Now, one important thing that we tend to ignore conveniently is that judgment is universal. What does that mean? He is going to judge the living and the dead. And he is also going to judge the believers and the non-believers. That's what the Bible says. There is a difference, however. That is, the judgment of the believers is not to condemn them. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus now. Could we read that verse now? There is now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are those who live in Christ Jesus under his lordship. Those who are saved by him and live there way. But once you saved and you left him, that's a different story. But if you are in Christ Jesus and if you die in Christ, we live in Christ. There is no condemnation for all of them. But that doesn't mean that there will be no rewards. The Bible also says that the believers will not be condemned. That means those who are in Christ Jesus will not be condemned. But there will be a judgment not to condemn them but to recognize them. There is a rewards. So when Christ comes yes the believers will have to stand before his judgment seat but not to be condemned. They will be standing there with tremendous confidence that I lived a life pleasing God. I accepted him and he has I have his righteousness on the power of his righteousness I stand before the king to receive my reward. There are two types of students. One is who, don't, who are not at all anxious about the results when the board results are the same. Other, there are maybe three types. There is another extreme. They don't want to, they don't want to see that day. See? They simply expect that the internet will fail, there will be a problem with the boards, servers and all that. And the third group, uh, the middle group is the ones, hmm, may go, may not go type of thing. But the first group, they don't care. They have tremendous confidence when they stand that judgment day. That is we, those who live and die, those who are in Christ and walk in Christ and die in Christ. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ with full confidence. Praise God. For what? All that I need to know is whether I, I know I have passed. I know it now. By putting my trust in Jesus Christ, I know I will pass. But all that I want to know, where do I stand in the rankings? That is the confidence we have. But remember, there is a reward. Judgment, which is not for condemnation, but for rewards. And that depends on, tying it with the story now, that depends on how I lived my life. How I used what God has entrusted me on this earth is what decides my rewards up there. That is what we do. While waiting 
we want to be or have to be protective for Christ Jesus but now i don't have to tell you about the rest of the story there are people who oppose Jesus you know in our own families but one thing i have seen and i praise god is that god did not allow for that day his day for their knees to bow down and their tongues to confess god was so gracious that they did it before they went there amen that's why i started with the story of my auntie whom i have been met a lot of times maybe altogether of my life and her life of 89 years i have met her maybe only two times in my life because she spent a good part of her life as a teacher in ethiopia and then i think a short stint in uganda again as a teacher and then in in usa and finally she died in canada where she spent the rest of her life because of that i haven't seen her or her for so many times only two times maybe three times and in the first time when i she told me that she has become a child of god praise god for the great grace in her life that her tongue confessed her knee knelt before the king before while he was away let's pray for ourselves now to have the grace not that is only one side of the story the other side of the story is for those who have confidence but remember when we stand before the judgment throne of christ there will be rewards and there will be judgment too in a sense those who could did not do anything with that will be punished as well and on the throne into the fire i am don't know about that i cannot tell you give you details of but one thing i know is we all stand before this judgment one thing i know that he is going to come back maybe while i am alive or not or after my life maybe tonight or tomorrow morning we don't know the time and the seasons of his coming but he will come i know brothers and sisters that he will come as king i know not only as king but as judge to judge the living and the dead that's why we need to conduct our lives in this world with fear and trembling let's take an account of what did we do what did i do what did you do with god's gifts in our life did we use our jobs as an opportunity to multiply to do some business for the kingdom or is it all for our personal gain did we use our relationships to 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 make some profit for the kingdom of god or is we were just exploiting people for our own gains who benefited from our dealings of our we our family or somebody else did we hold back the gospel because we thought it is a very not a very favorite topic it may create enemies did we hold back 
sharing the gospel? Did we hold back our giving thinking that if we give something away that we will lose the fear of losing, becoming more poor? How did we live? But one thing is clear. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. To be punished or to be rewarded. And remember, I don't have the details of the reward. But one thing I know, we will judge us according to our abilities and what we did for the kingdom. Will you stand with me? Together as we pray and commit ourselves unto God's hand. And as the worship team come forward and lead us in the worship today. Let's all pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for teaching all these months from the stories that you told by retelling it constantly. We praise you for your anointing on this season of preaching. We thank you, Lord, for guiding us. Lord, we thank you for rebuking us, hurting us, and also comforting us. We pray, O oh Lord, that we will be people ready for your kingdom, not as the wicked servant started beating the fellow servants. Not like that ten five virgins were not allowed ready when the bridegroom came. Not like the three servants, the third servant who just did not do anything, but who sat on his money. But we pray, O oh Lord, that we will be people productive while waiting for you. And also prepare us in holiness, sanctified each day in our life by the Holy Spirit. 